You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you guys are having a great weekend, and I know that there was some uh, good football on yesterday. I know there are some people that are happy, some that might be a little upset, so... I won't go too far into that because I know that our church is kind of divided between Georgia and Auburn. So I know a lot of people were watching that last night. But as Pastor Chris said, my name is Jeremy. I'm the associate pastor here. And uh, we've been going through a series called Jonah where we've been looking at the life of Jonah, who Jonah was, his relationship with God, and the city of Nineveh. And last week we talked a little bit about spiritual maturity. And uh, Pastor Chris has been uh, looking for a time where I could come and preach and get some more practice. And I thought this was a great time because I wanted to talk to you guys about personal spiritual growth. It's something that we should all be doing in our lives. And a lot of us often think that we're doing really good. A lot of us think, you know, I feel like I'm doing good. I'm slowly growing and that's a great thing. But if we actually look into our lives and if we kind of take notes about what we're doing, we might see that we're not doing the best that we actually are. I I kind of polled my uh, students from a previous church I worked at. I asked them, I said, on a scale from 1 to 10, how would you rate your personal spiritual growth? And a lot of them said between like a 5 and an 8. And I said, okay, well, here, let's, let's just fill out this piece of paper together, and I want you to be very honest with yourself. I'm not going to go and give these to your parents. I just want you to know for yourself. And it was questions like, how often do you pray? How often do you read the Bible? How often do you tell someone about God, about your faith? And I told them, hey, if you're counting Sunday and Wednesday, which is when we met, and I said, if you can't count those days if I'm asking you to read a Bible passage. And so a lot of them scribbled it out, and then they actually had to write zero on that. And so when, when I told them to add it all up and we had this little ranking system, we found out most of them said, okay, I'm not really between a five and an eight. I'm between a two and a five. And so I said, that, that's kind of a problem. We often think that we're doing really good And then when we actually examine ourselves, we're not doing so good. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you in your life in different areas. I know one time uh, at the beginning of quarantine, me and my wife said um, we wanted to start working out. And so we went to my apartment complex, and I just kind of started telling her, like, yeah, we can do this, we can go on this machine, but all the machines were pretty much broke. And so I was like, yeah, let's just do a shoulder press with like the dumbbells. And I kind of just pointed at the dumbbells, but my hand just went to the 60 pound dumbbell. And my wife said, you can't shoulder press 60 pounds. I was like, I was like, first of all, I thought I could. And second of all, I wanted to impress my wife. Well, cause she was about to become my fiance. She didn't know that at that time. But so I was like, yeah, I can. So I grabbed the 60-pound dumbbell, and I get it to about right here. And I'm like, this was a mistake, but I'm not a quitter. So I went for it, and I got it to about right here, and it instantly came down. And I said, we're not working out for, for a while. And I pulled something in my back to where I couldn't work out for a month after that, to where it was hard to breathe after that. And so uh, I found out that I was out of shape. And if that wasn't insult enough, just a couple of months ago, or I guess it was probably half a year ago, I was helping out with the Tattnall soccer team, and I've been helping out with a while, and uh, the coach asked me if I could join in on this drill because they needed an even number. And I was like, sure. I grew up playing soccer most of my life. I thought I had a decent enough skill. 
But the problem was I, I, I didn't realize that I wasn't doing any cardio in my life at all. And the thing was, we were doing keep away. It was just two teams. We were just playing keep away where you just pass to someone. Don't let the other team get the ball. And so I was passing it. I was running around, and I was like, I'm not letting these kids beat me. Like, I, I want to win. I'm, oftentimes, I'm a competitor, and even if I'm playing against teenagers, I want to win. And so I was playing my heart out, and after the drill was over, I started walking away, and I'm like, man, I'm about to throw up in front of all of these students that I'm trying to put on this air that I'm good. And I remember there was some students sitting down, and so I just went over and I sat down, and I was just like, Jeremy, don't do this. Don't do this in front of everyone. You're never going to hear the end of it. And that day I realized I am not good at cardio, even though I thought that I was relatively in shape. And so the point of all of that is, is a lot of the times we might think we're doing good in one area, but when we actually have time to do that, or if we actually examine ourselves, we're not doing that good. And so uh, I wanted to reread Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 real quick. It says, And he himself gave some to the apostles, some to prophets, some to evangelists, some to pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And so what I really want us to focus on today is that growing into maturity. It's not just a one and done where you pray, pray a prayer and you get baptized and then it's done. It's something you have to be working on daily. And a lot of times people are kind of just coasting by, by just coming to church on Sunday morning or going to small groups some other time throughout the week, and they think that's good. That's good enough. I'm going to church. I'm with a body of believers, but really you need to be focusing on that personal aspect of where you're growing with just you and God. And so today I, I kind of broke it up into three separate areas that I, I think we all need to be working on that's going to help our spiritual growth. And if you have a bulletin, you can follow the notes in there. Uh, but it's pretty simple. It, it's love God, love believers, and love non-believers. And I'll kind of give you uh, some, uh, a direction of where that love is going that will help you. For instance, uh, the first one is love God. We are showing love up. All right, and I know a lot of us, we're always told we need to love God. If you spend any amount of time in church, you will probably hear the phrase, you need to love God. And what I found out with asking questions through students is, you often, you, you kind of know what that means, but if someone asks you, hey, how do you love God? It might be a little difficult to explain it. And so I found a verse, Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13, that I want us to look at. It says, and now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. And so I saw that verse, and I really liked it, because there are four actions that he calls us to do in here. He calls us to fear the Lord, to walk in his ways, to serve the Lord, and to keep his commands. And so I just, I want to break down each of those really quickly. So fearing God uh, often has like a, a stigma attached to it. Because when you hear fearing, you often think you're, you're cowering, you're frightened of something. But fearing the Lord is more of being in awe of who God is. 
And I, I often like to try to tell students, think of it as uh, like, like your love for your parents. And I know that when growing up, I, I loved my parents very much. And I knew if I didn't do something, there was discipline involved. I know my dad would walk down the hallway and he would have that leather belt and he would snap it. I don't know if any of you guys have experienced that, but I did. And that put fear in me. And though, even though I feared punishment, even though I knew there would be punishment if I didn't clean my room or do what my parents said, that fear didn't triumph the love that I had for my parents. And so when we talk about fearing the Lord, it, it, I don't want us to think we, we should be fearful and uh, cowardly of him. I want us to focus on the love that we should have. That love should always triumph that fear. The second thing is walking in his ways. Walk in his ways is talking about being close with them, following the path that he lays out before us. And I know this is probably one of the harder things for me to do because God calls us to go and do something, and he doesn't tell us what the end goal is. He doesn't tell us where the end is going to be. We just have to follow the path that is laid out before us, even if we don't know the end. And that's hard for me to do. I, I don't like not knowing what's coming up next. I remember my uh, student pastor, when I was growing up, told me, he said, hey, uh, come and meet me uh, at this place. And he texted a bunch of students. And I would be the one that asked the questions, hey, like, do we need to wear something specific? Like, uh, what time should we get, be there? What time is it going to be over? I like to know those things so I can be prepared for what's coming. And so it, it's hard to be trusting in God when he's uh, not giving you that full path in front of you. You just have to take one step at a time following his ways. The third thing is serving the Lord. And it's pretty much exactly as it says. It's, it's serving God in everything that we do. It, it doesn't have to be going across the world, taking care of widows and orphans or building houses. It can simply be just going next door and checking on your neighbor or going throughout your neighborhood. Something that uh, we did this past weekend was we went to this church in Macon, we did a prayer walk and we just went around seeing how we can partner with this other church. Uh, and, and all we want to do is not bring out our name into the community more. We want to make sure we're shouting God's name into the community. Make sure that everything we do is pointing back to God. Just serving God in any way that we can. And lastly, keep his commands. And a lot of times we think that this is optional. And we, we don't just go out and say, like, yeah, I think there's parts of the Bible that are optional. We just say, like, yes, I'm going to do these things that God has told me to do. But this other area, I don't know. I haven't fully committed to that area yet. And that's not something we can do. We, we have to be all in. We have to make sure that we are doing everything we can to uh, do all of what God has called us to do. And so those are the four things that, uh, I think kind of show us that we are loving God, fearing the Lord, walking in his ways, serving the Lord, and keeping his commands. And the thing is, if, if we are not doing that, I don't think we're really loving God. And the reason is, is because if we love God, we're going to put away our desires and focus on the desires of God. Because when we say that we're Christians, we're saying, I'm picking up our cross I'm picking up my cross and I'm putting to death my desires, my selfish desires to focus on godly desires, what God wants me to do. And what God wants us to do is to do all of those things that we just talked about. And so if we're not doing those things, we're not really 
loving God. And we, we're supposed to be uh, getting closer with God. And I know a lot of times when people say we're supposed to love God, a lot of people uh, go towards devotionals. And I'm not saying those are bad things at all. I think those are great things. But I think something that we often get wrong is when we talk about, hey, we need to start doing uh, devotions, we often say, yeah, just give God five minutes a day. And, you know, if you've never given God any time in your life, that's a good place to start. But the thing is, five minutes a day is nothing compared to the God who has saved us from any eternal death. And we're just saying, yeah, I can give you five minutes of my time. To me, that, that feels insulting. And, and our love for God should be one of the greatest loves in our life to where we should be giving most of our time throughout the day. And I'm not saying you have to be uh, reading 24 hours a day, but focusing on God and doing what God has called us to do throughout our, your life. And so a lot of us, uh, as I said, we, we know how to grow. We just have to take that step. A lot of us have that knowledge of, uh, I know how to get closer to God. I know I need to give that time. It's a matter of just taking that next step. It's a, it's a matter about taking that action to bring you closer to God. And I always tell students, hey, if you need help with that, if you need that encouragement, uh, I always recommend the, the YouVersion Bible app. You can go on there. There are plans laid out. If you just say, uh, Jeremy, I have a lot of anxiety in my life. You can just type in the plans, anxiety. And there are plans that are dedicated to help you overcome anxiety through the passages in the Bible. And you can click remind me. And it will remind you every single day. It will say, hey, it's time to read the Bible. And so you always have that reminder to help you get into that groove so that you can continue growing closer to God and developing that love for God. And I think that this love that we're talking about out of the three uh, is the most important because this love is going to spill over into the other two. If we don't have this first love of God, the other two loves are not going to be very good. It's just not going to uh, overflow into those areas. And so we need to start with this love for God. And so we'll move on to the second area of spiritual growth. It's love for believers. And so it's, it's love going in. We had love for God going up, and we have love for believers going in. All right, and so uh, a passage that I have with this is John 13, 34 through 35, which says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So to Jesus, living in a community of other believers was a distinguishing mark of being a Christian. And now I know a lot of us, we know that we're supposed to love one another, but I'm sure that you guys are, are great in this. But there have been times in my life where I have not loved another believer. Uh, I still remember probably the one that stands out the most to me was when I was in high school and I was asked to go on this middle school camp and uh, it was my first time really being a leader and I was enjoying it. I loved it, but there was this one middle schooler that just got on my nerves more than anyone else has ever done in my life. And I remember it was one of the last nights. I, I won't go into all the details of everything he did that got me to this point, but it was just, it was the last night. It, it was the, we had our final worship session. We had our final small groups. We had this game of manhunt going on. Now it was getting close to 12. 
And all the leaders were trying to corral the students into uh, the cabins, and I was ready to go to sleep. And then uh, I just remember this kid just comes out of the cabin not wearing a shirt on. And our church had a very strict policy of you have to have all of your clothes on when you go outside. And so I told him, I said, hey, man, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I need to take some medicine. I was like, okay, you can do that with a shirt on. Go and put a shirt on, then you can come back. He says, no, I'm going to go get my medicine. And he just comes up and he pushes me. And let me just tell you, I never wanted to punch a kid in my life except for that moment. And if you know me, that's not my personality at all. I'm very gentle. I, I, I don't have those feelings very often. But I can just remember how much my blood boiled just from this kid because of everything that was going on. And in case you're worried, I don't have that uh, reaction now. So just want to throw that out there. All right. But uh, luckily, our student pastor came over and uh, he settled everything down. He made sure everything was fine. But I remember just whenever I saw this kid at church, even after the camp, it, it still just made my blood boil. And I just did not like this kid for a really long time. And I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Uh, but I want us to see that God is calling us to love one another. And it, it can be hard at times, but God calls us to love one another. And I think a, a really good reason for that, especially in the early days of Christianity, is because there was so much persecution going on to Christians. A lot of the times, the, the Romans and the Jewish authorities would uh, persecute Christians in different ways. And it's a persecution that we'll never understand today here in America, but uh, Christians would be hunted down. They would be tortured to recant their faith. They would be thrown into uh, pits to fight against uh, wild beasts like lions and uh, tigers. And I still remember reading where uh, one emperor, he liked to walk through his gardens at night, and he started lighting Christians on fire to light his way in his gardens. And so persecution was very real back then. And the church was a place for uh, believers to come together, for a, a, a safe place for Christians to just be encouraging one another, to support one another, to, to pray for one another, just to love on one another with each other. And, and I think uh, God calls us to love one another so much. We, we often see these one another commands in the Bible. Uh, I looked it up, and there are actually 32 one another commands in the New Testament. For example, be at peace with one another, wash one another's feet, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, let no one judge one another, accept one another just as Christ accepts you, carry one another another's burdens, and forgive one another are just to name a few. And so ultimately, I think it boils down to three main points that we can fit all of those uh, under. The first one being honor one another. Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And so honoring one another helps Christians flourish and, and grow in their faith. It, it's going up to say someone like, hey, you're doing really great in this area. I love seeing this happening in your life. And hey, th this might be an area of struggle. And this was an area of struggle for me. And then th this is how I overcame it. And I'm just telling you this because I want you to grow to the best that you can with your relationship with God. Whereas dishonoring someone creates hindrance for future growth. 
It's going up to seeing someone like, hey man, you've been doing really awful in this area. Like you, you probably just want to stop that for a while and, and you, just, you just need to do something else because this honestly is not working out at all. And so when you go up to see someone that you're not encouraging them at all, they might be struggling in an area a lot and they might be doing really bad, but going up and telling them that and not giving them advice on how to fix it, it, it it's dishonoring to them. They're not going to be growing from that. And what we need to be doing is growing together in unity because that dishonor creates disunity. And if you've ever been a part of a church that is, uh, that, that's not unified, it, it's not going to grow. It, it keeps shrinking until it completely separates or it completely dies. So we need to be honoring one another. The second one is serving one another. Uh, two verses that go along with this are wash one another's feet, John 13, 14, and serve one another humbly in love, Galatians 5, 13. So as a, as a goal of spiritual formation, I think something for our personal spiritual growth, we should be often trying to imitate Jesus in what other spiritual discipline should we be doing uh, than servanthood, something that Jesus practiced regularly. And if we think about it, uh, I, I love the example of Jesus washing his disciples' feet because that's something that a rabbi should not have been doing. A rabbi wasn't there to wash his disciples' feet. That was something that a lowly servant was supposed to do. And then we take it a little bit further and we see that Jesus, the king of the world, was washing dirty feet. He was there to serve his disciples. Mark 10, 43 through 45 says, Whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, served but to serve, and to give, life, to give his life as a ransom for many. So we're called to serve. We shouldn't be looking for what can other people do for me, but what can I do for the people around me? And it's very easy for us to just sit back and not do anything and to let other people uh, serve and see that, hey, this is being taken care of. It'll be fine. But we're called to serve one another. The third thing is forgive one another. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance among you, uh, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. So forgiveness may take time, but we need to be working towards that state of forgiveness. I, I was convicted several weeks after that camp of just every time I saw that kid that made me so upset, I, I, just, I just had this kind of hatred in my heart for this kid because of this camp experience. And I realized that's not what I should be doing. I, I have no idea what his family life is like back home or what's going on, but I, I'm called to love this guy, no matter what. Even if he did something mean to me, even if he did something that I didn't like, I still needed to forgive him. And honestly, I needed to ask for forgiveness for how I'd been treating him as well. And so I know that a lot of times we might have trouble admitting that or moving towards that state of forgiveness, but Whenever I'm in that area of where I realize that I don't really want to let go of what this person did to me, I start to think, you know, what, what are all the things that I've done that I've sinned against God? 
Think of all the things that I've ever done that I can remember that I've sinned against God. I think of what I've done in that moment that I've sinned against God. And I think and I realize, you know what? Odds are I'm probably going to sin against God in the future. And God knows all of this, but yet he still sent his son to die on a cross for me. Someone that has sinned over and over and over, that has constantly rebelled against God, but he still says, no, I'm going to forgive you. And if God can do all of that for me, I should be able just to forgive whatever this person did to me. I should just be able to let that go because God has forgiven me so much more than ever I could forgive someone else. Ephesians 4, 31-32 says, Let all bitterness and anger and wrath, shouting and slander, be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. And so, forgiveness is something that must be done in the church. Or else we're going to be holding on to these grudges. We're going to be holding on to this hatred that we have. And that's not going to be something that unifies the church. And so as we're going throughout this week, I, I, I want us to be focusing on uh, the different areas that we can be working on on our personal spiritual growth. And in this second one uh, of loving uh, other believers, I want us to be thinking about how we can be honoring and serving and forgiving one another. There might be someone that, uh, that you've had a grudge against for a while, and you just need to talk with God about that and be, God, how can I be at peace with this? Show me how I can go and talk about forgiveness with this person. Whatever it is, I pray that you'll be asking God how you can be growing in this area. But moving on to the last, uh, the last area of personal spiritual growth. Love for non-believers. So we had love for God, love going up. We have love for believers going in. And love for non-believers is going out. And so as we love God, as we love others, we are supposed to be a beacon to the community around us. It should be a visible presence of there's something different going on here. Uh, I, I think I might have mentioned this one other time when I preached, but I, I still remember one of the best compliments I've ever received was from one of my cousins where he just asked, he said, Jeremy, why is there something different about you? I hang out with all my friends and then I hang out with you and there's just something different about you. And I remember that was just a great way to segue into the gospel and I loved it. I know that's not very humble of me to say, but I still just remember I loved being able to hear that there was something different between me and the rest of his friends, the way that they were living and the way that I was living. But we should be that light to the world. As Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, it says, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. Not one, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all of those who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so this message of Christ, uh, who, who loved us so much that he died in our place, should be heard and felt and experienced throughout our city. And I know a lot of us in here know that we are supposed to evangelize. If you spend any amount of time in church, you know that we're supposed to go out and share the gospel because it's something that God calls us to do. 
going back to that first love of God of keeping His commands, God calls us to go out and share the gospel. However, statistically, most people do not share the gospel. Most people do not evangelize at all. And a a lot of us are scared of multiple different things that could happen. Uh, I know some of the top ones that people have talked about are, uh, if if I start sharing the gospel and they ask me a question, I might not know the answer. And I'll always say, yeah, that's a possibility, but you could always say, I'll look that up. I'll get back with you on that. And it creates a second chance to come back and share the gospel and to give them an answer for that. Some people often think, I'll, I'll jumble up my words. And that is a possibility, but you can just keep going. I jumble up my words all the time. And I still remember one time this person said, uh, I, I, just, I, I feel so out of place when sharing the gospel. I, I start talking about who Jesus is and what he did for us, and then I realize I haven't explained what sin was, so I have to go back and talk about sin. But then I want to talk about his resurrection, but then I want to go back and talk here. And I'm like, yeah, it, that can be very confusing to someone that has never heard the gospel before. And so what you can do is practice. It, it might be very awkward, but practice like you're going to share the gospel with someone. So you know how to go from sharing the gospel with someone for uh, what happened in the beginning with sin all the way up to who Jesus was, what Jesus did, and what Jesus will do. Because if you don't practice, you're going to be nervous and you're going to have adrenaline and it's, it's going to come out kind of a little chaotic. And I'm not saying that God can't use that, but it, you need to make sure that someone that has never even been in the church could understand what we are talking about. And something that I, I, I've read this, I didn't come up with this, but I wanted to share it with you is um, there, there are very easy steps that we can take to share the gospel with someone. And these are just little baby steps that get us closer and closer uh, to that point that, that just make it easier because it builds that relationship with it. And I know it's a very cheesy acronym. You, you, uh, you can probably see it on the piece of paper. But the acronym is called BLESS. All right? So you want to bless someone. So you start with B, which is begin with prayer. Th- that's something that we often don't do. We just think that we're supposed to just go out and share the gospel But really, we should just start with prayer and say, God, who do you want me to talk to? Where do you want me to go? And just let God direct your path and where you're supposed to go with that. We we should be always starting with prayer first. And then going with L, listen. When when God tells you go and talk to someone, don't don't just try to tell them your story right away. Uh, You're more than welcome to. And there might be times where God says, I need you to share the story, your story right now with this person. And that's what you're supposed to do. You always listen to God. But what I want us to focus on is just to be listening to what's going on in their life. Be genuinely interested in what's going on in their life. Listen to their pains. Listen to their struggles. Because this is someone that God has sent you to, and you don't know what God could be telling you to do uh, of how you can be helping them uh, in their life. The third thing is E, which is eat. I know a lot of us like this, but it's a great way because all of us need to eat at some point. And why not have a meal with someone? We see that that's what Jesus did in his, in his ministry. He went around eating with non-believers. He went around eating with uh, the sinners and having meals with them. 
And it's just a great way to bond with someone is just having a meal with them. It, it takes a little while to eat, so you have that time to grow closer with someone. And just sharing that meal or even just a cup of coffee can help build that relationship while you're listening to them and what's going on in their life. The fourth thing, the first S, is serve. So if, if you listen to people, if you eat with them, you're going to know what needs they have in their life. And, and we don't need to wait around for someone to come up and tell us, be like, man, I really need someone to do this in my life. You should just hear the need and act on it. I know that uh, this is kind of a bad example because this isn't with a non-believer, but I remember with the soccer team, um, their pennies smelled awful. And I remember every time they broke out those pennies, it, it was just bad. And I didn't really want to be around them when they were doing their huddle with those pennies. And I asked the coach, I said, Coach, like, don't we have a washing machine at the school? And he said, yeah, but I mean, I get here at like 6 in the morning and I'm not done with practice till after 7.30 and I'm not going to be waiting around an extra two hours to wash the pennies. And I was just like, okay, yeah, I understand that. I wouldn't want to do that. And so after practice one day, I just, I grabbed the penny bag. I just went and I washed the pennies and then brought them back before anyone noticed it. And they were very thankful for that, even though they smelled a couple weeks later. But it was just, I, I knew there was a need there. And I just, instead of asking, hey, can I do this? You just go ahead and do it. Uh, another example that I thought of was when um, I, I'm, I'm trying to get to know my neighbor that lives right across the hall from us. And he moved in a couple months ago. And every now and then I'll see him walking down the hall and I'll just say hey to him. And uh, recently I've seen that he's been wearing this really big boot on his leg and he's just been limping around. And it, it takes him about two minutes to get up the stairs. And uh, this is a really fit guy, too. So I asked, I said, hey, man, what's going on? And he said, oh, I, I hurt myself at work. And I just asked, what, what do you do for work? And apparently he was training to become a sheriff for Georgia. And I said, okay, uh, like, what exactly happened? He just said, I just hurt my Achilles uh, tendon. I, I don't really know what happened. So every time I see him, I was just asking, hey, man, what's, what's been going on? Give me an update. I, I want to know. I'm praying for you. And uh, finally, just a couple days ago, he came up to me, and I didn't even have to ask, but he told me, he said, hey, man, uh, the doctors just told me I have a seven-centimeter tear on my Achilles tendon, and I'm going to need extensive surgery to fix it, and I don't know if I'm going to uh, become a sheriff anymore. It, it, it just depends on how his therapy goes after that. And I just told him, I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I, I'm praying for you, and I'm, I was trying to help him any way I could. I said, let me go get groceries for you. And he said, no, he's, he has a girlfriend that's doing all that for him. But I'm just, I'm trying to do anything I can just to serve this guy that he just, his heart is broken now because he's been trying to do this for so long and this injury is now setting him back. And so we should just be looking for those opportunities just to be serving other people, just to be serving them and letting them know that we care. Because that kind of leads into the final step, the last S story when the time is right, share your story of what God has done in your life. Just share the story of what God has done for you. It, it doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be something that's uh, over the top. It's just, hey, let me just tell you about what God's done in my life. Or just ask them, hey, what do you, what do you believe about God? You, you never know what answers you're going to get. But we often worry so much about this last step, this, this sharing of the story that 
we don't even begin with that prayer. We're forgetting all those other four steps of leading up to sharing your story, and we shouldn't be. And so I want us to see that this, this sharing of the story shouldn't scare us as much because we should be praying for the Holy Spirit to be working in their life. Because ultimately, it's not up to us to convert them. It's the Holy Spirit's job. And I'll always remember something that has stuck with me ever since I saw this in sixth grade. Our student pastor showed us this video um, of this guy named Penn. And I think Pastor Chris talked about this story uh, half a year ago. Um, but it's just always been something that has stuck in my heart with this guy, this magician named Penn. He's always on Penn and Teller. And he started this vlog where uh, he just talks into this camera and he just is going on about this show. And he said, there, there was something different about this show. It, let me just tell you about it. it it's, uh, I, I probably see 1,000 to 5,000 people per show. I normally do four to five, or four to five shows throughout the week. And this one guy came up to me and gave me a gospel track and just shared the gospel with me. And he said, you know, I'm an atheist. I always tell people I'm an atheist. I'm still an atheist. But I started thinking after this man shared the gospel with me, and he said, I, I thanked the man. I thanked him for sharing me what he believed. But he said, the odds are there were a lot of Christians in that crowd. And there's only been one person in his life to come up to him and share the gospel. And he said, Christians, if you really believe what you believe, how much do you have to hate someone to not share the gospel with them? And that, that stuck with me. How much do you have to hate someone to not share the gospel with them? Because ultimately, we know where someone's going. We know that they're going to hell if they don't accept the gospel. If they never even hear the gospel, we know where they're going to be. And so, how can we just let that happen? How can we let that fear of just, I might not know what to say or I might be scared of what they might say, how can we let that overcome the notion of we know what's going to happen? But we also know the joy that comes with having a life of God and that should triumph over that fear of being scared to share the gospel with someone. And I think if we grow that love for God it becomes easier to do those other things of loving of other believers and uh, loving those uh, non-believers as well, sharing the gospel, forgiving each other. And so I think when we're doing all this, I know I'm ending on a more evangelistic note uh, and kind of focusing on the love non-believers, but I want us to, uh, us to focus on we need to be working in all three areas. We need to be loving God, loving believers, and loving non-believers to be growing in our spiritual walk, because ultimately that's what God has called us to do. And so I, I like to leave us on a challenge of just how are you going to be doing that throughout this week? How are you going to be working on your personal spiritual growth throughout this week? It might be, hey, I need to start reading my Bible more. I need to start giving God more of my time. It might be, hey, I need to forgive another believer. There was something that has happened, and I've just never let this go. Or maybe is I, I know these people need some help in their life, and I just I need to serve them. I need to serve them in some way. But whatever it is, I pray that you will be seeking and asking God, God, what can I be doing this week and for the rest of my life that I can be growing closer to you and to uh, showing that love 
to others. Because when we do that, I think we're all going to see our personal spiritual growth grow even more than we thought. So that's my challenge for you guys this week. Let's pray. God, just thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. And I pray that you would just burden our hearts to just to be loving you more. That we won't settle for just five minutes a day, but that we will just see how much that you've done for us, how much you care for us, and that we will just be looking to give you our all. And God, I know that it's sometimes hard for us to take that first step of uh, serving others, but I pray that you will just make it clear who are we supposed to be serving. God, who are we supposed to be forgiving in our lives so that we can just be growing closer to you, so that we can be an example to the community around us. And God, I pray that we will just have that love for non-believers that you did, that we can just be going out and that we won't be timid and afraid of sharing what you've done for us, but that you will just give us that boldness and confidence just to share the joy that we get to experience having a relationship with you. And God, we just, we just thank you for everything that you've done for us. We thank you for that you died on the cross, that you've forgiven us of our sins. And I pray that we can just go out and share that with others. In your name we pray. Amen.